0: Welcome to the Deeper Dive Podcast brought to you by the OC Church of Christ. Let's dive deep into God's Word, learning new insight and taking a fresh look at the verses that impact our daily lives. We will continue with our study of the minor prophets by studying out the book of Jonah. Here is John Oaks.
1: Jonah then is a prophet in the 8th century BC. By the way, when I was young, I got confused. 8th century, so that's like 830 BC? No, no. 8th century is the 700s. I, I know that's, that's confusing, right? The 19th century is the 1800s. Why? Because the 1st century was like... 38 BC, right? So 127 BC, that's the second century, right? Got that? I used to get confused about that. And anyway, whatever. So, uh, let's talk about, uh, Jonah, uh, the prophets to Samaria and Northern Israel are Amos, Hosea and Jonah. All right. Jonah prophet to the Gentiles there were some prophets whose primary audience was not necessarily uh, Judah. And one of those, arguably, you could could argue that Obadiah is that. Obadiah is preaching against Edom, but believe me, his audience was Israel, okay? But Jonah, as far as we know, he never taught or preached to any Jewish person, actually. All right? Uh, Now, he probably did. He probably did, but all the preaching we see him doing is to a foreign culture. He's like Daniel in that way. Daniel and Jonah are prophets to the Gentiles. All right, so the theme of Jonah is the grace of God. The theme of Jonah is the theme of Hosea in many ways, in many ways. Uh, The sub-theme is repentance and salvation is for the Gentiles too. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, it is an absolute miracle that the book of Jonah is in the Bible. Why? Because the message of Jonah is salvation is for the Gentiles too. Now we find that in Isaiah, for sure, all nations. We find that in Zechariah. We find this idea of all nations coming in and joining us. Alright, right, we find that. But really, that's the entire message of Daniel. Salvation is for the Gentiles too. Who hated that message more than anybody else? Well, maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit. But Jonah, Jonah hated that message. Jonah hated his own message. How about that? Uh, And then another kind of sub, sub, sub message is you cannot run away from God especially if you have the prophetic voice, which I believe everybody in this class aspires on some level to have that prophetic voice in your congregation. And you cannot run from God. If God has called you, you cannot run from him. Or if you do, you're going to have a big problem. Okay, the historical setting. Uh in my notes it says 782 BC. I think that's probably a little bit too specific, all right? The bottom line is Assyria was the great power. During during the period of the uh divided kingdom, there were two rival powers, Assyria and Egypt. Got it? Here we go. I'll do the map correctly. Assyria and Egypt. Now, uh, during the second half of the 800s BC, Assyria was dominant and Egypt was lesser. But during a period of around 30, 40 years, due to some internal turmoil that was happening in Nineveh, Assyria became somewhat less powerful. And so during this time, um, the northern and the southern kingdom, they expanded, they got their independence, they grew in wealth. All right, it's during the early part of this, probably around 780 BC, when Jonah received this call. Uh, we, we can get a feeling because Jonah is mentioned in, in other uh, uh, biblical books. So Assyria uh, went through a fairly brief period of partial decline. But during this entire period of, 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 of Isaiah, of Hosea, of Jonah, of, of, of um, Amos, the enemy... Of Israel was Assyria. And so the idea to a politically, and by the way, thank you so much for your question, uh, Brian Craig, because the bottom line is Jonah himself got caught up in the politics of his day, right? Because God's message was preach repentance and salvation, which he never actually preached. Preach repentance to Nineveh and Jonah was so caught up in the politics of his day he didn't want to do it so Jonah is the perfect example of what we don't want to be you know I, we'll put Jonah up there with Balaam a, a sort of a reluctant prophet right yeah so anyway um so Israel Assyria was in a time of, of failure and disappointment so therefore I believe they were uniquely open to the Gospel your worst enemy, your worst enemy, I believe will have a moment when they're open to the gospel. My next door neighbor is kind of my worst enemy. Uh, he, he, uh, had threatened me. He, he kind of physically assaulted me. Not, not call the police kind of thing. He has a sign on his, on the gate there, which says, uh, don't worry about the dog. Worry about the gun that I have. You know what I'm saying? He says, if you step into my yard, I will kill you. And then he quotes Matthew 18 verse 2. All right, got it? Amen. He's a Syria for me. But I'm telling you, I pray for that guy. And every time I see him, I smile at him, I give a wave at him cuz I believe he is a Syria. But there's going to come a moment where he's going to become open. And amazingly, these brutal dictatorial Terrible enemies, not just of God, but of all the neighboring nations. They had a moment. They had a moment. And so God says, you need to go and preach to them. Whew, wow. So I believe they were more open to the gospel just briefly. Now we have to understand about the city of Nineveh. Do I have a map here? No, 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 I don't know. Anyway, Uh, so uh, Nineveh. The greatest city in the world at that time. Uh, roughly 1,800 acres, which would make it about five square miles. It had walls 100 feet high. 7.5 miles in diameter. Uh, 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 sorry, in circumference. Uh, uh, roughly 120,000 inhabitants. How do we know that? Because, well, it says it right there in, in Jonah chapter 4. And lots of animals, by the way. And chariots could drive three across around the wall. So you imagine this wall, a hundred feet high and three abreast, it'd be like a route 405. Well, maybe a little bit narrower than route 405. All right, you got it? All right, then, you know, one half of 405, you know, not both sides. So massive city. In Jonah 3, verse 3, it says three days, it took three days to essentially tour through the entire city, to kind of walk all the streets. A huge city. Jonah is a prefigure of the Messiah. I want to talk about that just briefly. Matthew 12, 39 through 41, it says, to those who want a sign, the only sign they're going to be given is the sign of Jonah. Just like Jonah was in the belly of that fish for three days and three nights, so I too will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. I'm going to give you my opinion right now. I believe that Jonah actually died. I believe he died. Because, you know, some people ask, well, how could Jonah stay alive inside of this fish for, for three days and three nights? Well, you know, God could do anything. God could create a little pocket of highly oxygenated air inside of a big fish. God could do, I believe it. In fact, I you know, I, I, God could do that. I mean, God could uh, you know, make, make children of Abraham out of stones like John the Baptist said. But my personal opinion is that because Jonah serves as a amazing prefigure of the Messiah, I'm convinced that he actually died. And then he was raised from the dead on the third day. Can't prove it. That's just my opinion. You know, they said to Jesus, no prophet could ever come from Galilee. Guess who they forgot? They forgot Jonah, which of course they want to forget Jonah, because every Jew wants to forget Jonah, because his message is God's salvation is for the Gentiles too. In fact, Gath Heifer is about uh four kilometers. That's three kilometers, that's closer to four kilometers uh, from Nazareth. It's about a you know, thirty minute walk. Because you know what? Jonah is the prophet like Jesus. Think about the scenario. They're on this boat and everyone on this boat has a death sentence. And what's the only solution? God's Messiah must die. It reminds me of the Exodus scene where the night of the Passover, death sentence on all the firstborn sons. So someone has to die. The lamb must die so that the Gentiles and the Jews can be saved. And you know what Jonah did? Jonah willingly, consciously offered his life to save the Gentiles. All right, there's a good streak in Jonah. Jonah. You know he, he he had he had some issues, but when the rubber met the road, Jonah said, "Kill me, and you will be saved." Hmm. Can you think of somebody else who came from right near Gath-hefer who said, "Kill me, so that I can save you." You know, there's a few more parallels. There's this boat rocking and just being tossed about by the waves. And what's Jonah doing? Well, can you think of another boat on the Sea of Galilee being tossed on the waves? And what's Jesus doing? (laughs) He's sleeping in the bottom of the boat. And what's Jonah doing? He's taking a nap. Why? Because he trusts God, unlike the rest of us. Another parallel. You know, right as Jesus was in the process of giving his life to save the Gentiles, what are they doing? They're gambling, right? They're gambling. Who else who's about to give his life to save the Gentiles and they're gambling? Oh, it's right here in, in the book of Jonah, right? Right. Uh, so I'm sorry, verse, they're, they're doing the gambling thing. Yeah, the lot. Yeah, that's right. The lot fell to Jonah. All right. Yeah. Jonah one verse seven. So hopefully you're beginning to get the picture. Jonah is Jesus. And the cool thing is this is a real story these things actually happened. And whoever wrote these things down had no idea. They had no idea that the Messiah would would die and be raised from the dead on the third day. They had no idea that he'd come from near gath hefer They had no idea about the gambling, the sleeping in the boat. All this stuff is here. And Jesus does all these things. So I don't know, that's pretty cool. We haven't begun to taught Jonah. We're just accidental stuff. You know what I'm saying? So, uh the sign of Jonah, Gath Hepher, all are about to die, sleeping in a boat, gambling at his feet. Oh, by the way, yet yeah, I forgot. Uh Mark four thirty-nine, what did Jesus do? He calmed the storm. And what did Jonah do? He calmed the storm. Well, not exactly, God did. But then again, Moses gave them bread. And Jesus is the bread. But did Moses really give them bread? Well, not really. God did, but he did it through Moses. And similarly, jo- did Jonah actually calm the storm? No, God calmed the storm, but he did it through Jonah. All right, there you go. There's a map showing where Gath Hefer is, the little uh, red bubble there. And on the right, you can see where Nazareth is. And uh, Gath Heifer is, you know, like I said, uh, about a 30 minute walk from Nazareth. All right. Outline of Jonah running from God. Chapter one, running to God. Chapter two, running with God. Chapter three, running ahead of God. Chapter four. I I can't remember who I got that from. I stole it from somewhere. Uh, You're supposed to give credit when you're a scholar for where you stole it from. I don't remember. That's my excuse. All right. Good. Let's get into the actual book of Jonah. Jonah 1, 1, 2, 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. And if you're going to be a prophet, you're going to have to preach against wickedness. I'm sorry, folks. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Here's a map. All right. You can see where Gath-Hefer is. He went from Gath-Hefer to Joppa, which was a port on the Mediterranean Sea. You can see where Nineveh is. It's, uh you know, to the east. So it's almost like uh, uh Jonah said, all right, what is the farthest place in the farthest opposite direction I could possibly go? Tarshish was a Greek city actually founded uh, by the Phoenicians. And it was at the farthest end of the world from any perspective that you could imagine. All right, by the way, he never got to Tarshish, right? (laughs) Because God stopped him in his tracks. So Jonah is not exactly fired up about doing God's will. You know, he didn't want to see these people saved. Bottom line is, God wants your enemies saved. God wants my next door neighbor to go to heaven. Is it possible we could hate the people that God loves? Or is it possible we should could show contempt? Or maybe just not really caring? Is it possible we can hate the people that God loves. You know, we need to hate what God hates, but we need to love what God loves. And God loves everyone. How might we be like Jonah? You know what they say? They say, hate the sin but love the sinner, right? That's what they say. I don't know about that. Uh, Because you know, like Greg quoted earlier from Matthew 9 13 and Hosea 6 6 says I desire mercy not sacrifice and we need to hate the sin that's true and we need to love justice but I believe we need to remember that God desires mercy and I say we need to practice mercy And then justice, okay? You know, like Jesus did with the woman caught in adultery. I think we need to love the sinner and love the sinner. All right? Because not that we don't hate the sin, but I'm telling you, it's just way too easy to try to find hating the sin and loving the sinner in equal balance. But Jesus says, I desire, hesed, I desire mercy. Not sacrifice, so I believe our primary posture should be mercy, not sacrifice. We don't ignore it, M- may that never be. How can you read the minor prophets and not understand the need for righteousness? All right, absolutely, we can escape that. But mercy before sacrifice, all right, so anyway. So Jonah's trying to flee. Jonah the prophet is trying to flee from his prophetic message. And guess what, folks? As you know, it doesn't work. <laughs> so verse 4 through 17, Jonah is busted. And God says, uh-uh, you're not going to flee. I'm going to take care of that. So what did God do? If you're trying to flee the, 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 the office that he's given you as, as a, a prophetic person, Verse four, the Lord set a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell asleep like Jesus did in the boat during that storm. How can you sleep, they said, when they went down and found him. Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice on us so that we will not perish. Just like God, the people, God's people in Egypt, and, and and God saw His people in slavery, so He sent Moses as the Messiah, as the Savior, and God sent Jonah to save these people in the ship. But Jonah is sleeping, and so and of course God's in control. God is always in control. So they cast lots. And guess whose lot came up? Well, that's not a surprise, right? Jonah's lot came up. And I imagine Jonah saying to himself, I'm in so much trouble. I am in so much trouble. All this stuff happening its because of me. And we might reach a moment in our life where stuff is going like crazy, in fact, some of us were around in 2003, 2004. God was judging us, and we're like, ah, uh, part of the problem, you know? Oh, man, I'm in big trouble, man. I'm going to have to turn around and go back. All right, and so um, the lot falls to Jonah. And it's interesting, in verse 8, it says, uh, So they asked him, Tell us who's responsible for making all this trouble for us? What work do you do? Where do you come from? Where is your country? Apparently Jonah's not exactly been sharing his faith on this little trip. You know what I'm saying? And they're like, uh, they don't know his story. Now he told them a little bit. He told them he'd been fleeing from God. <laughs> Let me find out in the next verse. I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven. Thank you for actually sharing your faith, Jonah. Good job. And they were, they were terrified. And they, basically, Jonah willingly offered his life to save the Gentiles. He said, and they picked him up. And they didn't want to do it, right? He said, no, heaven forbid. They were more righteous than many of us. Heaven forbid that we throw you into the ocean. And Jonah says, no, no, please, please do it. Please take my life so that you can be saved. And it's like when we are baptized into Christ. Right? We were buried with him and we were raised with him. You know, 1 Peter chapter 3, you know, when we were buried in that water, suddenly salvation came to these people. If you think it's a coincidence he was thrown into the water and then they were saved, I'm telling you, you can preach baptism, uh, um, you know, out of the Old Testament. You don't need to use the New Testament for that at all. Okay, that's chapter 1. They say to him, please do not hold us accountable for what we're about to do. Uh, you have done as you pleased, a lot like us. Uh, please don't hold us accountable for the death of Jesus, but we all are accountable for the death of Jesus. Jonah chapter 2. We tend to not make, take, pay much attention to Jonah chapter 2. It's this beautiful prayer. You know, it's interesting. Uh, verse 1, uh, verse 17 of chapter uh, chapter 1, uh, you know, the, there's the fish thing, and Jonah's in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Of Chapter 2, verse 1. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Now, I believe that literally he died inside that fish as anybody would die inside of a fish. And I believe that God raised him from the dead. Just imagine you, Jonah, you're like... Because when he was thrown into the sea, he's like, I'm dead. Man. I'm, just, I'm dead. It's over for me. And then this massive... And he's... Inside of the fish, he's like, "I am totally dead," and he passes out. Right, he just passes out. He suffocates, right, and then he comes to. We were dead in our sins, and the uncircumcision of our sinful nature, but God made us alive. And Jonah comes alive inside of that fish. He's like, "Oh." What just happened? You know what I'm saying? So, and then he decides, you know what? Maybe I need to repent. Maybe I need to, you know, go on the mission that God sent. Yeah, maybe I probably ought to get it right with God. So he prayed a beautiful, this is one of the most beautiful prayers. This is such a beautiful prayer by Jonah. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the deep and the realm of the dead, I called for help. Because you too were dead in your sins, were you not? And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths into the very heart of the seas and the current swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I hope my next door neighbor comes to this point sometime in the next few months where he realizes his life is completely being destroyed. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed wrapped around my head. And he he remembers these emotions as he was dying. Sinking. My life was ebbing away. Verse 7. My prayer rose to you in your holy temple. If only that would happen. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. I will shout and grateful praise, and I'll make sacrifice, and God spit him up on and onto dry land. So now Jonah, he's ready, man. He's ready to go, right? He's going to go to Nineveh. Not exactly. Not exactly. You know where he went? He went to Gath hepher He was settling down, right? You know, that happens. He repented and then he kind of unrepented. <laughs> I don't know if that ever happened to you. He repented in the you know the moment. You know, God delivered him. And, you know, when God delivers, we say, oh, man, and if you'll deliver me, I will never get drunk again. I will never get drunk again. <laughs> you know, I will never view pornography again. God, if you save me for this, I will never view pornography again. Well, you know what? Uh, Jonah went back to the same old thing, didn't he? All right. But chapter three, verse one. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Praise the Lord. We get a second chance. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I gave you. You know what? And Jonah went. He went to Nineveh. Not an easy travel. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. We saw, we already mentioned this earlier. I began going to the uh, Jay's journey into the city proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. 40 days represents God's patient waiting, right? 40 days is a, is a day where God waits and then he comes. Or 40 years of between 30 AD and 70 AD when God waits and then, he, and then, the, and then the day of the Lord comes. And the Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. Jonah was an incredible preacher. This guy with a foreign accent from the pipsqueak neighboring nation of Israel. He comes in and did he even know how to speak the local language? How did that work? I don't know. Maybe he was speaking in tongues. I don't know. And this guy was such an incredible prophet, such an incredible preacher, that even the very king of the enemies of God's people repented. Oh, if we could preach like Jonah preached. I wish I could have heard one of those sermons. That must have been some of the most amazing sermons ever. So what did he preach You know, it says here that he obeyed God, but I'm not fully convinced. I believe God wanted him to preach, repent so that you can be saved. But he said, doom and destruction. That was his message. All right. You know, Jonah hadn't quite gotten it, had he? And in chapter four, we said, "Man, he's in fact he didn't even come close to getting it. He was so far off." You know, some people you think will never be open, they will be open. The person you think, "Ah, man, that person, forget it." it to 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 the Jew, the idea that the King of Assyria, the number one. Idea of the most impossible to ever be open person in your entire life. That person repented in sackcloth and ashes. Uh, it, to me, it, it's it's really uh, astounding. What was Jonah's message? Doom. Did he preach salvation? I don't think so. You know, but God had prepared the hearts. So believe it or not, the Ninevites figured it out on their own. That's amazing to me. The Ninevites figured out on their own that God is a God of mercy and patience, which is mentioned later on here. They figured out the, the nature of God, even though Jonah didn't preach the full message about God. They figured, well, you know, maybe God will relent. Right. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne. He took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, sat down in the dust. And he gave this proclamation, which is really amazing. Do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But you know what? It's 1220. I'm getting hungry, too. You know, I hope we finish in the next five or 10 minutes. All right. Um, let everyone call urgently on God, on Jehovah. They were calling on Jehovah. Let them give up the evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent with compassion, turn from his fierce anger. They would not perish. And God relented. And he didn't destroy that city. Figuratively, the Gentiles were saved through the preaching of Jonah, even though he wasn't a fully faithful preacher. Amazing stuff. Chapter four, chapter four. So uh, running with God, chapter three, and then running ahead of God. Jonah 4, one through three is amazing. We we have to wonder, how could God still love Jonah? It's amazing. Let's read it. But Jonah, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. What seemed wrong? That my next door neighbor start coming to church. You know what I'm saying? That, that, racist white person, that the person that the um, um, America uh, Afrikaans speaking you know, um, apartheid enforcing person could become your brother or sister in Christ. you know? And that you progressive disciple, Yes, that Ever-Trumper, that MAGA person. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You could give him a big hug. And you, a uh, person who believes that anybody who would vote for Hillary Clinton is going to hell, obviously. Uh, that person. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Bernie Sanders supporter. Oh, yeah. You're going to give him a big hug and it's going to be awesome. And you're going to have the banquet with God's people. Oh, yeah. It could happen. It could happen. Jonah, let's read on. I I got carried away. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to stop by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, and I hate it. Slow to anger and abounding in love. I have none of those things. A God who relents from sending calamity. And I certainly didn't preach that. But they figured it out on their own ah. Now Lord take away my life for it is better for me to die than to live. Now this is a hyperbolic moment is it not? none of us are as bad as as, as Jonah all right we're not we're not in that situation. he's sitting on the pity potty right This is the ultimate pity party Jonah oh my goodness may it never be. But you know what? I think we could be a minor version of Jonah. I really think we could. You know, do you love who God loves? Will you lay your life on the people that you naturally would have hated? And Jonah, he's ticked off. And he's hoping, by the way, because, you know, by the way, it's 40 days, right? So how long did he sit there waiting? I'm guessing he's waiting 40 days out there. You know, all right, it's going to happen. I just know it. I just know that God's going to bring disaster on that person because I hate the sinner. I hate the sin, mean. Oh, sorry. Oh, that's right. Actually, I hate the... Oh, I'm supposed to hate the sin. Oh, but I hate the sinner, okay? But the Lord replied, "Is it right for you to be angry?" Jonah had gone out and sat in a place east of the city. There, he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, waited to see what would happen to the city. See, so he's still hoping. <laughs> he's hoping, like like the apostles did. God, bring down fire on on um, those cities. Um, you know, the the ones that Jesus said. Never mind. The cities of Samaria, right? Bring down fire in the cities of Samaria. All right. Then the Lord provided. Uh, sorry. He made himself a shelter, sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen. The Lord provided a leafy plant. He made it grow up over Jonah. See, the message of Jonah is God's love and his grace, his unfailing, unceasing love and grace, even on those of us who have thumbed our nose at him. All right, to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was happy. Thank you, God, for helping me out. When we do Malachi, we're going to see uh, faith in God is not the same as faithful to God. You know, that's a, that's a message of the prophets. Being Having faith in God is not enough. We need to be faithful to God. We need to be faithful to his covenant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching wind. The sun blazed over his head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. And I appreciate how, how, how Steve pointed out this key passage. Are you like Jonah, more concerned with your own comfort than with the salvation of the lost? You say, Oh, not me. Are you sure? Would you be willing to live in the part of town that nobody else would want to live in? Would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to live in substandard housing? All right, uh, so let's finish it out. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. Should I not have concern from the great city of Los Angeles? Of San Bernardino? Of Anaheim, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left. And God even cares about the animals. So that's the message of Jonah. God loves everybody. God uh, and, and Jonah, again, is a prefigure of the Messiah. So let's not be like Jonah. Oh, no, let's not be like Jonah at all. So anyway, that ends us. Uh, I can take a couple of questions. Yeah, David. Just a quick question. Do you think the reason that Jonah didn't want to go was because they were Gentiles and he was Jewish? Was there like a prejudice maybe towards the Gentiles? Is that maybe why he didn't want to go from the beginning? Or... Right, but you understand when he finally got there, he preached judgment on him. So, you know, I I I I think what he, his biggest problem wasn't going there. He was... He was a fearless person, an absolutely fearless person. I think his problem was that he thought God might save them. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, yes, his prejudice against them was totally what's in in the thing. But it's it's not that he wasn't willing to, to talk to them. It's just that he did not want to preach the message that God wanted him to preach. So he hoped that they would all go to hell. He hoped that they would all uh, that the that Nineveh would be destroyed. Yeah. So yes, yes, but maybe a little bit. I would change that description just a little bit. Wasn't uh, Syria particularly known for their brutality of like, killing people? They were the worst of the worst. In the siege of Lachish, if you go to the British Museum, there's an entire room devoted to the base release from Nineveh, and you can see them flaying them. So they would they would just you know, take their skin off, still skinning them alive, and they did that right at the feet of the of the walls of Lachish, as as it's mentioned in in Jeremiah. They were the most brutal people in the world. Uh, I mean, yeah, Babylon was better, Persia was much better, but Assyria was the worst of the worst. Mm-hmm. And by the way, uh, sixty years from the time that Jonah. Uh, uh, went and preached them. Uh, the 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 uh, Ninevites came and destroyed uh, Samaria, 722 B.C. Under Tiglath-Pileser, um, um, the entire northern kingdom was utterly destroyed by Assyria. So it's not like, from a political perspective, uh, Jonah didn't have a good reason to not really like these guys. He had a really good reason to not like them. Yeah. Question, John. Just to clarify, you said that. Uh story of Jonah,
0: he disobeyed the second time after he was vomited into
1: land. Right. In other words, basically inside this fish, he's there, a uh, God has told me to do this. Amen, I'm going to do it. Right? Right? I, I, I that's how I interpret it. Yeah. He's like, you all right, I get the message. Go into Tarshish? No. Go into Nineveh? Yes. Uh, amen. So, he went but Apparently he didn't go right away, right? Apparently he went back. Now, did he go back and then the next day the call came or was it five years from then? I don't know. And, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm reading between the lines here a little bit, but it sure seems like he went back to the, to Israel and God came in and called him a second time. So God asked him to do a certain thing. Uh, he didn't, he got busted. He said, I'm going to repent but then he didn't go and do that thing. Certainly not right away. So God had to call him a second time. It's pretty easy to get down on Jonah, but Jonah has some really amazing qualities. His courage is incredible. You know, give him some credit. Yeah, Jay.
0: Yeah, Um, there's an interesting thing like as we're kind of reading this and and studying it that that just kind of jumped out at me um, that I hadn't noticed before. But um, in Jonah 4, when God is talking to him, um, it's interesting that uh, Jonah is saying to God, like, kind of just expressing how, you know, angry he is, and and God responds, uh, is it right for you to be angry, but Jonah doesn't reply, he just leaves. Right. Right. And um, I feel like there's even a lesson here um, that is just um, a, a really beautiful lesson about God's love, because... Uh, it's almost like he's drawing Jonah out at the end here. He yes. Knows that Jonah can't really um, address the issue directly when he asks. Uh, when he asks him, he can't. He can't really go there. But um, he gives Jonah a plant, and 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 when he asks him the second time, it's almost verbatim. The only difference is he's just asking about the plant and not him. So, right. <laughs> Are you angry? You know, and right. he knows that uh, Jonah can, can talk about it. and And then he gets the response, but God's using that to teach. I don't know. It was just a beautiful...
1: I love that. And, and, and notice, he doesn't say, it's not right for you to be angry. He asks him, is it right for you to be angry? And I think in our counseling sessions, asking questions instead of making accusations is almost always the right thing to do. Uh, let the person answer the question for themselves instead of accusing them. Yeah. By the way, uh, did Jonah ultimately repent? My answer is yes. I mean, we have the Book of Jonah, right? Okay. I I don't know that for a fact, but I I assume he did. I assume he finally got it. Uh, but he's humble enough to not mention that and to give himself credit for having turned it around. But my my opinion is, yeah, he did, because well. <laughs> we got the book of Jonah. Oh, go ahead. Somebody else. Yeah.
0: I think, well, one, that's, that's interesting. And, and, but I think even the
1: possibility that he did not is even more intriguing. Yeah. Okay. It proves God to be, again, the central figure of the story. Because even for God to use a man who still did, he
0: uses him, who then decides to not repent, shows, again, God's, power yeah. and God's ability to work through people. And, uh, again, God accomplishing his goals there, and so to me, you know, whether he repents, I hope he did. <laughs> but even if yeah. he didn't, he even, in fact, I maybe even more made that guy. The guy yeah. like, I'm still going to work through you.
1: I'm still using you, Yeah. even though you stayed stubborn.
0: And he still had an opportunity uh, to respond uh, to God's grace for himself and for others. So right. it, it's pretty fascinating uh, to even think, which I've never thought about really, at that level, so that, that was, that's
1: interesting to me. Yeah, if you use the example of Balaam, uh, if Jonah is a Balaam, uh, uh, Balaam did deliver the prophecy. He was faithful in that way, but the evidence is, no, he actually didn't make it in the end. Balaam is one of the few prophets that we know essentially did not make it. So that, that leaves open the possibility that you're right. We just don't know. As far as we know, we don't know.
0: Thank you for listening to Deeper Dive by the OC Church of Christ. If you want to get connected to us or want to donate to the program, go to our website, occhurchofchrist.com or contact us through social media at the OC Church. Join us next time for our next Deeper Dive.